0: I'm happy you tuned in, especially if you know someone who is uh, older that is uh, planning on undergoing an elective surgery. There is a story that The Globe and Mail featured about silent strokes that occur after elective surgeries in older adults and how these can be uh, problematic to their, um, their risk of cognitive decline a year later. Here to talk about it is a lead author in a study that was published about this yesterday, Dr. P.J. Devereux. He is a cardiologist and senior science scientist at the Population Health Research Institute at McMaster University. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Let's start off with um, the difference between a stroke and a silent stroke.
1: So a stroke is um, the thing that most people would think about, in, it's called an overt stroke, where there are typical symptoms where a patient may have inability to speak or may have weakness on one side of their body. That is an overt stroke. And what a silent stroke is, is that we don't rec- the patient hasn't appreciated any symptoms or they've just been missed. Um, but when we do a brain MRI, we see a clear evidence that there has been a stroke in this patient.
0: So you would have no ability to detect a silent stroke other than an MRI? Correct. Wow. Okay. So what does a silent stroke do to someone?
1: So our study specifically focused on the surgical setting, but just in the non-surgical setting, patients who have silent strokes are much more likely to end up with dementia, cognitive decline, and overt strokes when you follow them forward over the next couple of years. So we knew that these silent strokes um, were a problem outside of the surgical setting. And we wanted to know whether or not this was also a problem in the surgical setting because it tends to be that because there's a lot of narcotics used and also there's a lot of distraction with surgical injury that maybe in fact some strokes may be being missed and maybe they may have clinical relevance to our patients. And that's what we studied in this, in this um, study we undertook.
0: So if uh, silent strokes are occurring after elective surgeries in older adults, talk about the immediate and long-term consequences of these silent strokes.
1: So in our study, we included 1,114 patients from 12 centers in nine countries, and it was a representative sample of patients who were age 65 or greater who were undergoing an elective non-heart surgery, so hips, knees, bowels, lungs, those kind of surgeries. And we did brain MRIs in these patients between two and nine days after their surgery, and there's certain technology we can use with the MRIs so that if we see a stroke, we know what happened in the last 10 days. So we knew that these were um, new strokes that happened in the perioperative setting. 7% of patients age 65 or greater, consistent across all types of non-heart surgeries and all centers, we saw these, non, these um, silent strokes. So clinically, they were not recognized. However, on the MRI, we have evidence of a new stroke. In the short term, this doubled patient's risk of getting perioperative delirium. So this is a state when patients become acutely confused after their surgery um, and sometimes are quite agitated. Mm -hmm. So if you had one of these strokes, it doubled your risk that you would have this acute confusional um, delirium state. And most importantly, which was our primary outcome, we were looking to see whether or not it decreased cognitive function one year after surgery. So we did test to assess cognitive function before surgery, and then we did it that one year after surgery. The patients who had a covert stroke in risk-adjusted models had a doubling of their risk that they would have cognitive decline one year after surgery. So if you had
0: a history of having a a stroke, the full-blown stroke, and then you had elective surgery, you were at a higher risk of more of these silent strokes?
1: Yeah, um, we didn't see that. So... What we saw was patients who just had these new strokes around the time of surgery, they would then double their risk that in the coming year they were going to have cognitive decline. Okay. We also demonstrated that if you ended up having one of these silent strokes around the time of surgery, you had a fourfold increase in the likelihood that you would have an overt stroke or a mini stroke in the coming year. And this holds out hope that we're hopeful based upon the imaging and also the recurrent nature of the strokes that we saw in patients, that this will be hopefully modifiable. And we have some clues to how we might be able to do that. But that will obviously require further research to establish that we can, in fact, modify this. Because we want to ensure people get surgery for important reasons. Right. Um, We want to make sure that we actually can ensure that everyone can get it and be safe and not have... Long-term negative consequences like decline in cognitive function or development of dementia. Yeah. And, um,
0: as you were talking about this, uh, Doctor Devereux, what I was thinking is, you know, if you're listening and you're your uh, older parent, or if you are looking at, you know, the idea of hip replacement um, because your hip's been bugging you for quite a while and mobility is becoming an issue, this might give you pause to consider maybe holding off. That's not what you're saying here. Uh, this study was all about.
1: Yeah, I mean. As I said, our research program, we mainly focus on major vascular complications around the time of surgery, but one thing I always try to emphasize to people is that we should never lose sight of the fact that people are having surgery for very important reasons. And in the example you use, of all the things we do in medicine, um, the things that have the biggest impact on quality of life are, in fact, doing hips and knees. So they definitely can help a lot of people. At the same time, we don't want to ignore or miss important complications And what our job then becomes, once we establish that, is to figure out how we're going to prevent it and how we're going to better manage it so that, in fact, it doesn't become a significant problem to patients. And so this is an important first step in Mm -hmm. identifying an unknown problem that is important because it has important prognostic impact. We all value our brain function and our cognitive capabilities. Um, And so now the next step is, once again, to figure out how we're going to prevent it and how we're going to better treat it so, in fact, we don't end up with people having decreased cognitive function. And, you know, there certainly are, you know, patients who will say that, you know, their loved one is different after surgery. And a lot of time we've tended to say, well, they're older and they've had anesthesia and surgery. You get yeah. them home, they'll be okay. And sometimes that's probably true, but our research also shows that sometimes that's not true. And now we've identified what is probably a key problem. And now the next step is to figure out once again how we're going to prevent it and how we're going to manage it so that, in fact, people can get the benefits of important surgeries that um, people are looking to undertake.
0: If you have a family member that's dealt with, um, you know, getting a, uh, they're post-operative, what what should families be looking uh, out for when you talk about these silent strokes? You, You know, you said there are really no symptoms.
1: Yeah, so I think one of the interesting things that, turned up in this is that in the past when patients would get delirious after surgery there was a tendency um to say that well it's probably a whole bunch of things from you know anesthetics to narcotics to you know host of other you know biochemical things that may be happening but certainly our research shows that one of the things that certainly in some of the patients that is likely causing the delirium is in fact these covert strokes so certainly i think now, when we see patients being delirious after their non-heart surgeries, um, we certainly need to give consideration could, in fact, there have been a silent stroke, and once again, um, evaluate for that. And then, as I said, there's some rational things we can do in the short term. But What can you
0: do? Study, How do you treat that?
1: Well, the biggest thing that you can do in the short term is make sure that we do um, appropriate um, vascular therapies that are beneficial to patients who have high vascular risk, so very good control of blood pressure, very good control of cholesterol values, consideration for an antiplatelet. And as I said, the next step will be to get undertake further studies to investigate other interventions that we're hopeful based on what we saw in the study that likely um, have potential to be beneficial to these patients. But in the short term, very good control of blood pressure, very good control of cholesterol values, mm-hmm. and diabetes um, are obvious easy things that we should be doing for these patients.
0: So we're talking about adjusting medication and diet.
1: Yes. Um, Or a lot of times patients aren't on those basic medications. And, you know, we definitely see that in our research program and our clinical program. A lot of times older people coming for surgery, they may not seek a whole lot of medical attention. And it's also this missed opportunity um, that sometimes gets missed to really optimize their overall health. And once again, if we're seeing these events happening after surgery, it's another um, you know marker to say, look, we really need to intervene and help to get this patient on the right track.
0: When you're talking about post-operative covert stro- strokes and, and the increase of them, uh, is there a if you've had these uh, post-operative covert strokes, is, the silent strokes, as you say, is there an increased risk of having a full-blown overt yes. stroke?
1: Yeah. So in our research, what we showed was it was a fourfold increase in the likelihood in the coming year people would have a full-blown overt stroke wow. that would happen after that. So once again, that's what also holds out hope to us that. Given we see that, we think we have some ideas about how we likely can intervene to hopefully change that pathway. The other thing, too, is that in our study of the patients who had these silent strokes, mm-hmm. 13% of them had multiple strokes that were all new, which, once again, holds makes us think that some of these are definitely uh, embolic. And if they are embolic events, um, given things we know from the non surgical setting, things like anticoagulants, there's HOLTED, in fact, those could work. But once again, it, it requires further study for us to prove that.
0: Well, back to the drawing board. And I uh, I look forward to talking to you again, Dr. Devereaux.
1: Thanks so much for having us.
0: Thank you. Dr. Bye. Devereaux is a cardiologist and senior scientist at the Population Health Research Institute at McMaster University and at Hamilton Health Sciences.